0: Well, here we are at uh, what seems like a strange Sunday to me, uh, to be on the very last few steps on our journey with John that we've been on through this year. Uh, Next Sunday night, because of the holiday, we will not have evening services here, and uh, then after that, on the 31st, we'll have the fifth Sunday singing, Uh, so we'll start a new textual series uh, next year, and I'm looking forward to that. And By the way, I do have a few, um, haven't settled on one just yet. I have two or three ideas on some some ones that I'd like to do, but uh, I am opening it up, as most of you that I see in the crowd have been regular Sunday-nighters and have kind of been going through, and maybe throughout the year you've thought, "Boy, well, I'd really like to go in a similar style through this book. Um, so you're welcome to uh, text me that. Actually, my phone's in my office, so it's not going to bother me at all. You can just text me your ideas and suggestions, uh, and I'll take those into consideration. As I said, uh, have two or three, but God just really, I just haven't been called on a certain one as of yet. So uh, to be announced as far as what that will be, but I would be happy to have your suggestions if you've thought sometime this year that... Uh, uh, you know, Sunday night crowd, typically they've heard a lot of sermons and lessons over the year, and perhaps you've thought to yourself, you know, I've never really had a preacher try to tackle this. And uh, so I open to your suggestions, so of course I have the right of first refusal on all of those suggestions. How do you love Jesus? It's a hard question. It's the one that Jesus, or that John, ends with Jesus asking his disciples, but as we give consideration to it, I think it's one of the most important ones because it's easy to know Jesus on an intellectual level. It's easy to know about Jesus. Uh, maybe it's even easy to follow in the faith of other people and their relationship and look to their uh, and emulate their faith and practice. But, but how do you love Jesus? How can you say that this is... His, my love for him is evident in my life. We're going to talk about that tonight. And I think it's really a poignant way that John finishes, uh, this story. This, as we said, kind of the, the hype, the, the main point of John was John chapter 20, where he says, these things are written that you may believe. And then he, in chapter 21, kind of has this epilogue where he ties together some loosens in the story. So we're in John chapter 21, starting verse 15. And uh, I'll read to you tonight from the English Standard Version. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. So the saying spread about uh, abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will what, uh, that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. As we consider this passage, I kind of want to start by thinking about that last verse. It piques my curiosity about the things that Jesus did that weren't written down. The stories that weren't told. Miracles that he did, but those weren't relayed for us. The teachings he gave that, for whatever reason, the Spirit deemed, that was something we can learn about later in heaven in eternity. What was it that Jesus didn't do? There's a lot of things in the Bible that the Bible doesn't specifically give us an answer to. A lot of things that, um, as descendants of Adam, we have this desire to know. Ever since we, I think, partook of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we've had this curiosity, this this unquenchable thirst for knowledge. That thirst, by the way, has allowed us to do some amazing things. That's how our world has progressed and evolved as technology and the the, the things that we're able to do today. And that uh, generations from now they'll look back and say our time was antiquated. So it's a good thing, but it's also a curse. Because we're not, there's enough things that are beyond us that God seems to set limits about. It's not for you to know. You have to trust in me. And so while we think about what Jesus did that wasn't written down, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Whose lives he impacted, what teachings he gave. As far as we know, that whatever he did that wasn't written down is something we get to... Ask about an eternity, but we don't get to know now. I want to focus now on the conversation that Jesus begins with Peter in verse fifteen. He says, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" What is the natural question is, "What is these?" And a, I've heard, I've heard this topic preached on and and uh, this text preached on and uh, it seems to be that most people fall into one of two camps either these he's talking about the people the disciples that he's with or possibly he's just talking about the fish that they've just eaten or that maybe some are still uh, sitting there in the net that they've just hauled in or maybe it could be both uh, we start with talking about the fish. Do you love me more than these? And perhaps Jesus was speaking metaphorically. Of course, we talked about that last week, about how Peter started out by saying, I'm going back to fish. I'm going back to the ways of comfort, familiarity, the, the trade in which I've been taught. And, and I'm going back to that as I wait for Jesus. Maybe there's a lesson. Do you, do you love me more than what you're comfortable and familiar with with? But, just thinking about how Jesus phrases it, I mean, they've spent three years together. They've been through the life and the crucifixion. They've shared in some stuff. And it just seems odd to me that Jesus sits down with one of his closest disciples and says, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Um, To me, maybe the disciples makes a little more sense. But really, John doesn't ever... Strictly define it, but I'll tell you how I came about at that answer, and you can make your own call, I suppose. It's not in John's account, but in Matthew's account, we read in Matthew 26, this very interesting prediction of Peter's denial. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, the disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night word is written i will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after i am raised up i will go before you to galilee peter answered peter answered him though they all fall away because of you i will never fall away jesus said to him truly i tell you this very night before the rooster crows you will deny me 3 times Peter said to them, Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. And you read on later down in that chapter, verse 56, the scripture records, then all the disciples left him and fled. In John's account, we remember, of course, that, that Peter was the most passionate When it came time for the arrest of Jesus, he's the one pulling out the sword, you know, taking off Malchus's ear. And what we called the lesson of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good being Jesus, the bad being Judas, and Malchus being the ugly. And so obviously, Peter in Matthew's account and in John's account was was willing to go to some level with Jesus. Perhaps he thought of himself as just just a little bit better. I mean, there are some occasions where it's just Peter and James and John. So of the twelve, it seems like those three seem to rise to the top. Of course, Matthew's account, Jesus said, I tell you, and he's not saying I'll build the church on Peter, but he's saying I build the church on the Petros, the, the, the confession that Peter made. And so there were some unique moments that Jesus had with Peter and perhaps... Peter begins to think of himself as different, better than, higher than the other disciples. And so all of that taken into consideration, I think maybe he starts out by asking, do you really love me any more than these, any of these other disciples? I mean, you, you left with all of them, Peter. You denied me three times. It's a humbling question. In verses fifteen and following, there's this interesting interaction where Jesus seemingly asks him the same question, same uh, three times: "Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me?" The first one is, "Do you love me more than these?" Um, when you take those the three times that Jesus has asked the question, and perhaps you've heard this in a class or sermon, that that there's a little bit of difference in the English word. There's only translation. There's only one word, the word love, but in the Greek, the Koine, there's two different types of love being used here. So really, how it reads in verse 15, Jesus asked Peter if he agapeed him. Agape is supreme love, God's love. And Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you, which is brotherly love, affectionate love, endearing love, but not the supreme love. And Peter asked, uh, verse 16, Jesus asked Peter again if he agaped him. And Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. In verse 17, then Peter asked, Jesus asked Peter, then he finally says, Do you phileo? Do you affectionately love me? And Peter's hurt, but he said, Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I Phileo you. Well, as we've you know said, there's a difference between agape and phileo. Um, agape is not just the highest, purest form of love and God, god's love, but it's the love of total, absolute commitment. Phileo is that love you have towards someone. Because you have to. It's out of duty or will. It's out of affinity or affection. Well, you can sort of nerd out on all the, the Greek studies and and try to understand all of that. Is there a lot is is, is there some deep meaningful lesson here about the different words that Jesus uses? Possibly, Peter is responding with, you know, he's saying, I phileo you because because he doesn't feel worthy to say, Of course I agape you. You know, he's just denied Jesus three times. Um, He did the exact thing he said he wouldn't do, that, that everybody else would do, but he wouldn't. Possibly, Jesus is asking for both his total commitment and. Love out of, of, of will, out of obligation, saying, I know that you love me this way. Why don't you love me this way? I want you to love me in a higher way. And then it's always possible that we're straining gnats in this particular text. Um, I think I, obviously the words are different, but the more you study it, the more you figure out there's a lot of places in the Bible text where they use these words interchangeably. Agape and Phileo. So if you've heard someone say, well, you know, this is significant because Peter says, or Jesus says, I want you to godly love me, and, and Peter says, I brotherly love you, and, and making this big to do about it, you need to know this is not the only time in the text that occurs. Um, a lot of places where they're used interchangeably, it really depends on the context. A couple of examples 2 Timothy 4.10 Paul writes, for Demas in love with this present world, what he's really writing there is in agape with this present world. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense at all. He says, for Demas in love with this present world has it deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Well, in that context, he's saying, Demas had a great, his greatest love was of this world. He wasn't saying he had a godly love. In that context. Um, There's times even in the book of John where agape and phileo are sort of used interchangeably. And um, the phrase, the father loves the son. You would think the father loves the son, that would always be agape, but that's not the case either. Um, In John 3.35, it's agape, agapeo. And in John 5.20, it's phileo. So, John seems to use these words interchangeably, and I'm not sure there's always a lesson to be gained from it. I, I think what upset Peter probably had less to do with what word Jesus used at that moment, and more the fact that Jesus asked him this question three times. I'm not sure if you've ever messed up and you've come into contact with somebody who's good at pointing out that you messed up. Uh there are a few people I have like that that are uh very faithful in correcting me whenever I mess up. And that's their um, they find fault like there's a reward for it so to speak. Okay. Um and, and you just kind of get to know that that's the nature of their personality. You know, they just it's not criticism, it's just they look they always want to be correct. How do you, maybe a better context to put this in, especially around the holidays, is do you have that one relative who always likes to bring up how you're not quite measuring up to some other relative? Or maybe pointing out this mistake that you made that was you know, 30 years ago, but they're still bringing it up? Okay, you know how hurtful that is? And, and maybe they don't understand how hurtful it is, but they keep bringing it up. This is what I think, as near as we can read Peter's mind through John, when it says he was hurt, is because it seems like Jesus bringing it up and not letting it go. you know The Lord, source of mercy and forgiveness, continues to bring up the fact that he sort of messed up when he denied him. Obviously, he felt great, great sorrow. The scripture says he went outside and he wept bitterly. So he knew he messed up. Why is Jesus bringing it up not once, not twice, but, you know, sort of bringing it up as a three-peat? You would probably be hurt too. I think Jesus is is trying to get him to understand that, in addition to to it uh, not being about you, He he needs him to understand something even greater. Um, He needs him to understand that there's a a greater priority than even how you've messed up. And that's my third point. It's about the sheep. He uses these three occasions to point to lambs and sheep. And you think about it, Peter's about to have thousands upon thousands of lambs and sheep to teach, to tend to, to take care of. And Jesus needs him to be focused on them, not on him, not on the other disciples, not on what he used to do. It, it, you know, when you come to the, the end of a really good book, you're just man. This this story is just great, and and you just want to read it again. You just want to sort of relive that story again and again. There's some people who live in the past. I mean, you know, they sort of peaked in high school, and and they they just love retelling all those stories from high school, the, the play that they made, the, the touchdown that they scored, or, or whatever whatever it was. And that, that was sort of the and they just that story was so good they can't get out of it. They just keep recycling over and over and over again. And they've had some amazing stories, but Jesus, is like, listen, Peter, I need you. I, we're coming to the end of this story, where you walked with me, but there's a much bigger story that's about to happen. It's about to play out here, and I need you to focus on that one. Okay, I need you to not get stuck living in the past. Um, you know, going fishing and telling old stories about. Remember back when Jesus did that. I'm sure they did some of that, but they couldn't live there. Feed my sheep. Feed the lambs. Tend the sheep. Feed them. Take care of them. We can probably view from from the scripture and from how Peter speaks of himself um, that when it comes to personality, Peter's a lion. Peter's a natural leader. He's bold. He's brash. He doesn't he doesn't waste any time. If he sees something that needs to be done, he does it, even if he's going to make a mistake. And lions are great in the kingdom of God. Lions are leaders, and we need them. Uh, but the Achilles heel of every lion is his pride. And so Jesus, I think, is a, is tenderly yet firmly dealing with Peter's pride. It's not about you, Peter. It's not about the disciples. It's not about John. It's about the sheep. Um, we remember, of course, as we've gone through this Gospel of John, that sheep are sort of a big subject. In fact, I did a word search. Um, of the entire Of the entire New Testament, all the times you hear of the word sheep or lambs, just over half of them are mentioned in John. And a majority of those are in John chapter 10. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John ten fifteen, I lay down my life for the sheep. John ten sixteen, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Verse twenty seven My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me, and so if you, if you love Jesus, the important thing here is if you say you love Jesus, you have to love those whom Jesus loves. He loves a sheep. I messed this one up today. I confess to you. I you know it just kind of had an off day, and it wasn't necessarily having anything to do with here it was out there it was in here I had a couple of opportunities to just do what I do on occasion and people, just talking to people I would just stand and pray with them um, and I could have done that but I didn't because in that moment I was more focused on myself than the sheep and we have to be careful it's so easy to do in the kingdom of God be more focused on me than on who my Messiah loves. He loves the sheep. He died for the sheep. He gave himself. I have to think, in a weird sort of way, Jesus probably thought about sheep a lot. But he wasn't thinking in terms of the animals. He's thinking in terms of the people. He says, If you love him, feed my lambs. Now, the lambs, of course, are the, the young, the immature we think about this from a church perspective it's important that you feed the lambs i know you think like serving in the you know working in the nursery for that one quarter was such a burden to you but to jesus that's a big deal cuz you're feeding the lambs i know that you think safari so the sun is you know you're past that stage in your life and you don't have kids anymore why would they ever want you down there but but what you're doing is feeding as lambs. That's very important. As, as the, you know, the youth minister and the parent team and the people involved with the youth group, and they're going to Winterfest and they're, you know, doing the Christmas project. You may think that's just a service project that you do every year, but, but what's happening is there is you're learning to grow as lambs, and someday you'll be sheep. It's important. It matters. It Matter to Jesus. Then he says, If you love me, tend my sheep. The sheep, of course, are the more mature. And so you may think as an elder, you're stuck in a meeting for hours on a Sunday afternoon when you'd much rather be at home with your family or be doing something else. You may think that's a burden. But as you talk about the sheep and pray over the sheep, talk to those who tend to the sheep, you're doing what Jesus wants you to do, to take care of the sheep. And you may think, well, I'm just a deacon or I'm just a ministry leader and I'm I'm doing this thing. I'm sort of tired of it. I want you to really back up and think about what you do in your ministry or as a deacon. You're tending the sheep, whether you're encouraging them to serve or to get outside of themselves, whether perhaps you're helping them, serving benevolent needs and so forth. Maybe you're helping them to grow up and learn about the body of Christ through family camp, or perhaps you're using your role to help people grow and experience the joy of giving. I don't know what your ministry might be, but may you not view it as any less than it is, because in leadership, especially in the church, you're tending the sheep. And if you love him, feed the sheep. A preacher may get up on occasion and think, ah, "What a John again, what are we going to say about John this week? Or am I going to talk about the birth story of Jesus again? I don't know how I'm going to say it any differently than what's already been said. And perhaps the temptation is to forget that there's sheep out there who need to be fed the Word of God that they won't get anywhere else. And Perhaps you think, well, here comes Sonny. I know what he's going to ask. He's going to ask me to teach that class again. I really got so many other things on my plate right now. I'm not sure that it matters. But what you're doing in that moment is feeding the sheep on the word of God that they need to know. He needs us to feed the lambs. He needs us to tend the sheep. He needs us to feed the sheep. He was telling Peter that. But you get the picture that Jesus cares about the lambs and the sheep. And he wants us to care about them as well. Um I'm going to finish this sermon, I'm going to offer an invitation, you're going to sing a song, you're you're going to some of you go out to take the Lord's supper. Um but before you leave, I want to challenge you instead of just leaving and of course that does a pretty good job of this anyways, but can you just hang back for a second and ask the Lord what other sheep that are with us tonight need to be encouraged? Need to be prayed with? need to be listened to, need to be hugged, need to be um, just walked alongside. What sheep that are not here tonight, widows, widowers, people that are shut in, they don't hear from people very much. Those sheep matter too. May we see ourselves not just as part of an organization, but part of an organism that lives and grows and that cares and feeds and tends the sheep that's what Jesus thought of it as of course peter sort of misses it you know he's whew, there's the point right over his head hey jesus what about what about john what's going to happen to john <laughs> this is such a weird of course it's a very peterish thing to do but here's jesus saying feed my sheep tend my sheep and here's peter saying You're telling me how my life's going to end. What what about John? What's going to happen to him? Listen, hold on a second. Peter, it's not about John. It's not about you. It's about the shepherd who loves the sheep. You follow Jesus. Stop worrying about and comparing yourself to everyone else. You just follow Jesus and love those whom he loved. So John saw these things. John wrote these things down for us that he believed were important. John's telling the truth. He's bearing witness. and He did a lot more than we'll ever know about in this world. But We had to wait before we figure it out and hear all the cool stories that Peter's probably still up there talking about. So let me finish by asking a question for you. The same question that Jesus asked Peter three times, I'm not going to get into agape phileo, but do you love him? Do you love him? I know, I, know, I know there are people in this world that love him, but my question is to you: do you love him? Is your heart with his heart? Or do you just sort of know about him? I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking about your parents. I'm not talking about your your friends. I'm not talking about other people at church. I'm I'm talking about the preacher, except in my own personal case. I'm talking about the elders. I'm talking about you. Do you love him? Is he your first thought of the day? Is he your last thought at night? Does your heart cleave to him? Because you love him. I'm not asking if you like him. I'm not asking if you agree with him. I'm not asking if you know him intellectually. I'm asking if you love him. If you take the the four words of that question, do you love me? It's a hard question penetrating question. It should be for us just as much as it was for Peter. Do you love him more than yourself? That's the hardest one. Are you willing to put away yourself, to crucify yourself? Do you love him enough to Believe him when you don't understand and obey him when it's uncomfortable. Do you love him enough to love who he loved? Do you love him enough to feed and to tend and to take care of his lambs and his sheep? Do you love him enough to stop worrying about all the other disciples and focus on him? Do you love him enough to die? Do you love him enough to let go of everything else in this world and hold on completely and fully to him? I hope as we end our journey with John that it's been challenging and beneficial, encouraging, and uplifting to you. But as we end this lesson and as we end the book of John, I think it's the most poignant question to ask. Do you love him? In truth, only you can answer that question. Jesus said elsewhere, if you love me, you'll do what I say to do. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. So tonight I want to ask you, are you loving him by obeying him? Have you been immersed for the forgiveness of your sins? Are you obeying what he commanded to do? Not just that command, but all the commands. If you haven't, I pray and I hope that you will decide to be more in love with him each and every day. To listen to him, to do what he said to do, and to follow him all the way, no matter what it costs you. Tonight, if you have a need of a public manner, if you're ready to begin your journey with Jesus... Or if you've lost your way along the path, uh, come forward. I'll meet you down front. I'll be glad to pray with you and encourage you and help you in any way we can. As together we stand and sing.